European Universities Initiative is the title of this episode of the Interlace podcast, the podcast covering internationalization in culture and education. My name is Christoffer Fredriksson and next to me is Mirko Arano. So Mirko, what is the European Universities Initiative? Well, everything started at the European Council meeting in December 2017, where the EU heads of state and government called on member states, the Council and the Commission to continue to work towards the creation of a European education area by 2025. So this concept is based on three main pillars, the concept of the European education area, automatic recognition of degrees and study abroad periods, European student card and European universities. And what happened after that? Well, after that, uh, progress towards the vision has continued with the European Universities Initiative, inspiring higher education institutions across the EU. Um, different models for cooperation are currently being tested uh, through two calls for proposal under the Erasmus Plus program. The first 17 alliances have been selected in uh, 2019, in summer 2019, one year ago, and started their operations in November last year. 24 more alliances have been recently selected and they will start their uh, operations on the 1st of November 2020. So this brings us to today's program. What is it about? Uh, today we will talk about one of the first selected alliances. Uh, its name is UNITE, University Network for Innovation, Technology and Engineering. It's an alliance of seven universities from seven different countries with a background of several decades of collaboration in the framework of the cluster consortium. And today we will have with us the Secretary General of the Alliance, Andreas Winkler, from the Technical University of Darmstadt in Germany. Andreas is a PhD in anthropology with a number of years of experience in the field of internationalization of higher education at the Technical University of Darmstadt, and he has covered also the position of cluster coordinator between 2018 and 2020. This is a pre-recorded interview from earlier this summer with Andreas, so let's listen to it. Andreas Winkler, very, very well, welcome to our Interlace podcast. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to this podcast. I actually don't really know where in Europe are you located, or at least where are you at the moment? Right now, in the moment, I'm in my home office at, uh, in Darmstadt. So uh, the secretariat uh, where I'm working for is located at TU Darmstadt. So, but now in the moment, I'm at home. All right, because it's quite interesting, these, oh, the pandemic is all terrible in itself, but I don't know how many living rooms and kitchens I've seen so far during these three, four last months. Now I can add one more on my list. So, however, you're warmly welcome. Yeah, so just to start, um, we have said what the European University Initiative is, but Tell us about your uh, involvement in the topic personally and why you are qualified to talk about this and what does this topic means 
to you in general as an introduction from your side? How did you start working with this and how does it look now? Yes, uh, my position is I'm the Secretary General of the European University Alliance Unite. So in this position, I'm the leading manager, the coordinator of the Alliance. So as I said at the beginning, the Secretariat is located in Darmstadt. So it's located at the Technical University Darmstadt. Um, previously, I worked in different EU projects and EU project development and management and also in the development of internationalization strategies. So uh, that, based on that experience, I came to that topic and uh, I was also previously coordinating the cluster network and out of that network, we created that alliance and um, that is why I ended up in this position, yes. And cl cluster network. I'm, I'm not from the field. What do you tell just a few sentences about the cluster network? Uh, the cluster network is a consortium that is already in place in 30 years. So initially it was founded to really boost student mobility. It was at that time when Erasmus became popular. So the universities joined forces to uh, enrich their teaching with new educational offers in this new thing at that time, Erasmus. Uh, so we are definitely universities that are working in the perfect field already together to bring up such an alliance like the European universities. So, uh, more specifically, uh, what do you think is the most inspiring or uh, innovative elements in this new initiative from your perspective and from what you have heard from other colleagues, the European University networks? So for me, the most inspiring thing about this initiative is actually one the, the core idea itself. And the core idea is that you as a student can study at more European universities basically at the same time. So taking our case, you can study at seven universities at the same time. You are enrolling in one and you have access to course offers from six, six other universities. So without necessarily enrolling in an international program already or a joint program already, but during your studies, you can enrich your curricula with the offer of other partners. Uh, so this is really in the European higher education area, something completely new. And you were involved in the development of uh, this, uh, the, the project that led to the Alliance. What do you think it was most exciting when developing the whole concept and what was most challenging? Of course, the development phase. So the writing of the proposal and com coming together in a grant writing team was uh, challenging as such because it was a completely new new thing and it was also like a, a lot of motivation enthusiasm in that group to create something new and that was actually i think the, the most exciting thing was really to realize at one point that you are part of something let's say bigger something new something uh, actually kind of like a historical moment in the european higher education area and I think that is really, that was the most exciting. And then of course, when you are in this situation, there's a lot of uncertainty. 
because you do not completely know the rules of the game and it's, uh, it's, you don't know what the call is exactly about. You hear rumors from here and there. The European Commission is also finding their way how to do this thing, how to roll it out. So this is also like then at the moment, like, like a little bit like a kind of chaotic situation, which is of course challenging to keep up. And uh, coming to the current phase, which is the implementation phase. So this, the, the first uh, selected project started their activities in uh, November or alliances, I should say. Uh, from November now, uh, what have been the most uh, interesting aspects and again, what the most challenging in this new phase? Yeah, um, interesting, I would say also it's like, which you couldn't really expect from the beginning was that uh, we are actually continuing what we did in the development phase in that sense that we still have this enthusiasm for new ideas. This is great because this thing really has to become something completely new. It's not only a project, it's not, it's not only an alliance. So it's becoming a new virtual university exactly when you are really when you are really take going to the core of the call. So at the end, we are creating a new organization, a new joint virtual university. And to realize that and to all to hear those different ideas from different people, because there are so many people, we have more than 200 people directly involved in the implementation, in the working of the Alliance. So with their staff hours at the universities so and they are contributing a lot of different ideas and that is really uh, very interesting to see and of course that is also the challenge because it is very hard to steer so many ideas with so many topics so you, you basically wake up every morning with 300 uh, emails to answer at least people tend to put me in CC all the time yeah yeah I can imagine it sounds like a horizon 2020 project so it's yeah. much more. It's much more yeah. than a Horizon 2020 project because uh, actually what we are creating is really the framework for a whole alliance that should be long-term permanent structure of this European university. And of course, we are also applying for Horizon projects or for other Erasmus projects that will contribute to the success of the alliance. So the alliance is overarching. Of course, a lot of projects will be included in that. So you think that the management part is the most challenging in this phase, keeping things together because people are enthusiastic and things concerning the content happen anyway, but keeping the whole thing together is probably the most complicated, especially for you. Yeah, it's, it's, mm. that's, that's true. So let's say the steering of steering of ideas. I mean, I guess you have experience from many other uh, European products and then you can always refer to the guidelines. You have always experience from running these kind of products and so on. And now you're on a more or less totally blank page. How to work with that? It's, it's a, yes, I, it's, I would say yes and no. Of course, there is some uncertainty and you are completely right. We are working on a blank page because many things are not clear. It's not very clear what at the end when we are doing the pilot phase and then we have another four years of funding that was already, was already announced by the commission, what at the end, this European, this virtual European, trans-European uh, trans campus, what that actually is and how that looks like, that is quite uh, 
still has to be defined and we can work on that. On the other hand, we are in the framework of the Erasmus program. We are dealing with also Horizon 2020 projects. So we have clear set frameworks of what to do and how to organize these things. But the difference is really the blank page of how this thing at the end uh, comes up. So, so that leads me. So, what do you think will be the most significant result um, in twenty twenty five? In general, and for your own alliance, I think in general it will be that we will have new forms uh, of sharing education all over in the European higher education area. So, we will have new kinds of programs, new kind of courses, and it will become not so surprisingly to have this thing like what they call at the moment the flexible study path. So it will become a reality that students really can enrich their, their studies with new forms of courses from other partners without going on one single or two Erasmus mobilities, but it has become a normal aspect of their studies. I think that will be the most significant result in 2025. No, they, they, they talk about, as you said, flexible study paths, but they also talk about seamless mobility, which is the next step. Do you think this is something that will become reality? Because flexible study paths make the student have a, a larger or broader portfolio of, of courses and options to take from, but seamless mobility goes to the next level, which means the students can uh, autonomously uh, design their own uh, curriculum basically and freely go to any of the campuses, any of the universities, or even not go but take courses online in a free way and build their own specific profile. This is maybe visionary, but do you think it might happen for real? I think that is one of the biggest challenges and uh, I doubt that in 2025 that will be a reality. Even though that of course as you already said, the flexible study path is a necessity for that, to go in that direction. If, if, you, take this, if you take the seamless mobility, can you, you really have to take into account that a lot of other questions have to be answered beforehand. So you also have to answer the many legal questions. Uh, basically, you have to also found legal entities for the European University Alliances beforehand and you have to ensure automatic recognition and as long as these things are not achieved well, I think we cannot really talk about a seamless mobility. And what would you think it would be the most unique feature or is already unique feature of the UNITE Alliance compared to what you have heard from the other alliances? What makes it different in better or worse so but i wouldn't say better or worse but i would say different definitely so if you look at the already selected alliances we are the only one that have a clear focus towards science and technology we also have uh, comprehensive uh, universities in there with the, for example with the university of lisbon but uh, as this uh, alliance was built from the, uh, the cluster consortium and the cluster consortium is only including science and technology universities, um, this, is our, this is still our main field of action. So, but on the same hand, of course, we are multidisciplinary using the full potential of our partners. We are addressing great challenges of society 
And that, of course, also goes together with our innovation potential that science and technology universities have. We are an alliance that has strong ties to industry because of that. And when you look at where these partners are situated, you will see that all of them are actually in those regions within their country where you really have a high economic output, where you have a lot of innovation. So they are all in the innovation hubs of the respective countries. And that is also a big asset of this alliance. Okay. And uh, wait, I have a follow up. Yes. So geographically, those countries are? Ah, yeah. The, our countries are, we have, we have Finland with our partner Alto in Espo. We have, the, we have Sweden with our partner KTH Stockholm. We have France, ENP Grenoble is our partner there. We have uh, the Germany with the TU Darmstadt, who is also the coordinator of the alliance. We have Italy, Politecnico di Torino, Spain with uh, UPC Barcelona, and Portugal with the University of Lisbon. So that is your dream team. That is our dream team. Great. And then also, uh, so when the European Commission launched the initiative, of course, they were not thinking of creating islands. So the, these um, alliances that are working in parallel are supposed to pursue uh, progressive integration, but they are also expected to look outside and maybe collaborate with other universities and entities globally uh, once they have integrated themselves. So how uh, do you see this happening or how are you dealing with this in UNITE? Global cooperation as alliance. Yeah, I think this is generally not an easy question for all alliances. Uh, we do not know much about that yet because all of the alliances and also in UNITE, it's the case that we are at the moment, we are setting up our own structure. We are implementing our project at the moment. We are trying all those ways where, where how we want to work together and that is basically within Europe. So, but it will become important. I'm sure about that. So the role in the global education arena will become that what the European University alliances will make out of it. And in particular, I'm confident that the alliances will work on global recruitment. So they were selling their very interesting educational offers that they are developing within the alliance also outside Europe. So in that sense, they of course contribute to the competitiveness of the European higher education area. But I, uh, uh, as we said before, and this is also a very blank page where we do not know where it leads us to, but it wouldn't make sense if we leave that out and if we just stay like these European islands and don't go for global corporations and also beyond recruitment, of course. So recruitment might be a start, but we will definitely collaborate also with other universities outside Europe. And these alliances were developed as um, projects from the very beginning within Erasmus+, Plus, which is focusing on education, but of course they will be stable alliances with a long-term perspective. What would be the role of uh, research, innovation, technology transfer in the Alliance? How are you dealing with this or are you planning to deal with this? 
Uh, the Commission asked us actually already in the development phase of, uh, of the alliances to include aspects of research and innovation in it. And we did it. We did it also with, a, as, a, as I said, with a connection to our regions and including the innovation potential of our regions. Uh, we did it by creating a doctoral school. We, want, we are aiming to create a European doctoral school within our alliance. But the role of research in that alliances will grow in the future. And uh, one of the main points for that is that at the moment uh, there is a call open um, in Horizon 2020 that uh, supports the research and innovation dimension of European University Alliances. So it's actually meant exactly for that to strengthen this aspect of the European universities because it was, of course, we are tackling all of us research and innovation, but still this program was developed under the Erasmus framework. So it's firsthand an educational program. So with this extra funding, through Horizon, we will definitely be able to contribute more in research and innovation. Okay, we have now 17 of these European universities in place. It will be uh, 40, 41 in a few days when the second round of selection will be completed. Uh, what would you, uh, if you had to talk to universities that have not applied yet or universities that will be selected, what would be your do's and don't for the ones who are starting in November this year because they were selected or the ones that plan to apply in the future? What do they have absolutely to think of and what they absolutely have to avoid in the application or in the implementation phase? Okay, if you ask me generally, I would say that like the do's definitely go for commitment and trust. So proved cooperation and really intrinsic motivation of all partners is key to that because it's a high ambition and it's definitely also in the development phase chaotic. So go with those partners that you trust. And uh, that is definitely what we did in our alliance going with partners that we know for 30 years collaboration in, uh, in another consortium. Try to really be clear about your long-term vision also. So cover all relevant areas that you are asked for it because you will be also judged on that. So it's not just a pick and choose out of the call. So you really have to cover all relevant areas. You have to be multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary in a way, and you really have to be innovative in the sense that you try to find new ways of teaching and new mobility schemes, new pedagogies. So, and the third, do uh, be very clear, but okay, that applies to actually any proposal, but be really clear here about what you want to achieve and how to achieve it because it, it becomes complicated. So try to be even clearer here. So a well-structured work plan and sharing of responsibilities from the beginning will uh, really help you and your nerves while developing such a project. So that also brings me to the don'ts. So uh, to the first don't, uh, not being clear is really the absolute don't. Uh, objectives are, should be fully spelled out in your pilot project. Um, and do not create any artificial alliance or try to add any partners just because they look good on the paper. Really go for those that you trust, as I said. So 
don't make it look artificial. Tell a story why you are working together and try to avoid redundancies. Also because of the complexity of the topic, uh, they, you will have many overlaps between different uh, thematical aspects of your proposal. So try to avoid these redundancy or tackle them already in your proposal. And especially if it comes to the implementation phase, start from the beginning to talk between all the different people involved in the implementation about those redundancies, overlaps between the topics so that you are not doing the same thing on and on. There is one Asian expression, one worm who destroyed the soup. So I guess you have to really be careful when you choose your partners and what kind of topics you focus on. And the word challenging, challenging is used all the times, not only in this interview, but you're, you're hardly not allowed to say the word problem. Do you mm -hmm. see any problem at this stage? You know, this will be a problem. It's not even a challenge. This, is, this could be a problem or this is a problem. Yes, I agree with you. We, we tend to talk about only challenges and make it, makes it easier to talk about challenges. Um, yeah, a pro real problem, to be honest, is that uh, the ambition of the thing are very high and that comes not together with the finance. Everybody knows that. We are still all aiming for this, for this program, but there is not enough finance for that, what we want to do. And that is not just a challenge, it's a problem. And one of the don'ts probably should be, don't do it just for the money, because this will cost 10 times more than the money you get, so. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That was a straight answer, I appreciate it, thank you. <laughs> How was this received at your university? What is your perception? Is it visible? Are people involved? Or what are the challenges to get people involved internally, especially since you are the coordinating institution? Yeah, so I think for the coordinator, this is definitely easier. Mm. So uh, it, it created a lot of attention from the beginning. So, and of course, uh, you have to make PR for that. Of course, it's a lot of like, topics that are coming up on the internal website all the time so that you really know that this thing was selected, started, works on the first implementation phase. So it became quite prominent. Also like to really tell people what is the content of it. Uh, we had workshops, internal workshops there. So we had one huge workshop with uh, different people from all over the, the administration to involve them in the different activities. And also we mentioned the topic on other occasions where you have the whole university there and you bring it to the different governing bodies of the university. So there are very various ways of making it prominent inside your university. And the bigger challenge at that point is how do students know about it? Because now at the moment, of course, we do not have so much offers for students from the beginning but they should be part of it from the beginning because they can tell us how we should do it. So they could, should be co-creating partners in the implementation phase and they should know about us. So this is definitely something uh, we still have to work on. 
And do you, how do you see the involvement of all the partners? Do you feel it's balanced? Do you, without naming names, but do you feel it's more or less equally? The enthusiasm level is equal, the contribution level is equal, or some had more challenges to make this, to get this started or to make this visible internally or to involve people in the activities? No, I can really say I'm, I'm quite, quite satisfied with the overall involvement and enthusiasm of all partners. Of course, it's, you always have that in projects that certain partners have more interest in specific topics than other partners have then more interest in other topics. That comes naturally. But overall, if you put it all together, uh, I think there is a very good involvement of all partners and uh, also see that in all universities you have quite some attention for this. Will the European University, will, will it have some impact on the European higher education area and, and how? Do you have any, can you see something in front of you in this? Uh, sure, it will have impact on the, on the European higher education area. Um, probably it will in the future become also something like a usual entity. I mean, like a usual legal entity, a new form of organization uh, that really enables studying and student mobility in a completely different way when you think about a flexible study path and seamless mobility. So these things will definitely have a, a long-term impact on the European higher education area. Thank you, Andreas. That was really, really nice talking with you. And uh... yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You can too. And uh, also, thank you for your time. Stay sane, not stay healthy. This, that's clear. Everybody stays clear. <laughs> stay sane. <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Bye. That was an interview recorded earlier this summer with Andreas Winkler. Uh, I know that you have been involved in the writing the application, Mirko, and uh, tell us a few words about it. Well, yes, I'm, I'm involved. I was involved both in the writing and now in the implementation of the Alliance. So it's very exciting. As people say, it might be a game changer in the internationalization of our education or actually in the European higher education in general and probably also globally so it's interesting to be involved in this process from the very beginning in one of the first uh, selected alliances so i think that uh, we have to follow up this yeah for sure so we will probably call andreas in a year or two from now in our next episode we will continue with our country special a few weeks ago we published uh, an episode uh, with an interview with aziza from the erasmus plus national office in uzbekistan and uh, follow us on the social media on facebook twitter and instagram and you will know which country is on pipeline thank you for listening to interlace podcast mm-hmm.